Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. Hello there, Hellions. This episode contains some discussion of adult topics, so if you'd rather not listen with little ears around, now is the time to grab some headphones. Enjoy this fantastic episode. Hello, and welcome to Fresh Take from What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. I'm here today with Jamila Mapp and Erica Dickerson. They are the hosts of the Good Moms, Bad Choices podcast. Their wildly successful weekly show is ranked in the top 1% of podcasts in the world. As leading voices in personal development and modern motherhood, they have used their platform to inspire authenticity and shatter stereotypes around womanhood. Through their friendship and business, they have cultivated a safe haven with resources for women and moms alike to gather, learn, and grow. Jamila and Erica currently reside in Los Angeles with their daughters. Welcome to What Fresh Hell. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hi, Margaret. Hi. I really, this book just knocked my socks off. It's like a dual memoir. It's a self-help guide. It's a laugh out loud parenting book. I think at its core, it's a story about friendship. And I wanted to start with this quote, though neither of our romantic paths played out the way we'd hoped, the two of us ended up with something even better, each other. What started out as casual mommy dates became an incredible friendship that gave us both an undeniable outlet to vent, learn, and connect. If only all of us had this in our lives. Tell us a little bit about your path to friendship and how you came into this relationship. Honestly, it was just on accident. And I don't mm-hmm. think we realized. Like all great things are. <laughs> right. Erica and I met early on in our pregnancies through a mutual friend. We had no other friends who had kids and we were kind of, you know, in the, the thick of pregnancy and early motherhood and kind of trying to figure out like what just happened to us. And when we met, I don't think we had any intention of starting a business or building a brand. It was just like we desperately needed to have a friend that understood what we were also going through. Me and Mila were, were the, the two women in our friend group to have children first. So we had no friends with children. And, you know, I actually... The first time I was introduced, and I say introduced because it was via Instagram to Jamila, was my friend had posted a picture of her and I was still pregnant. She had just had her daughter and she was at, and I talk about this in the book, like she was hanging poolside in a bikini with her daughter on her hip, drinking a glass of champagne. And I was like 40,000 months pregnant, sitting at home wondering like, what have I chosen? What am I doing? I'm happy, but like, what is this? So I saw her and I completely judged her. I was like, why is she out? 
Like, what is she doing? She's living her life. Didn't she just have a baby? I swear I just saw her on Instagram like three months ago and she was pregnant. And so there was like this judgment that happened, but also like I was jealous. And usually when you're judging, it's because someone's mirroring something that maybe you feel like you can't have or you want or you don't understand. And so thank God I pushed past the judgment. And so we hung out and, you know, I instantly knew that me and Mila, like she was someone I could talk to. Like we felt comfortable around each other, but of course the first hangout is a little bit surface, you know, like, Hey, how you doing? How's life? Isn't motherhood great? So fun. (laughs) How's breastfeeding going for you? And, you know, somewhere along the line, I think we hung out maybe once or twice after that because maintaining mom friends and just friends in general in the thick of being a new mom is virtually impossible, it felt like. So we reconnected later on after I left my child's father. And that's really when like the real conversation started to happen. And very soon after that, I asked Mila to start a podcast. So not really knowing that it was starting a business, I really just wanted to hang out with her and talk to her. And I thought that like, you know, I'd been researching other podcasts and realized there wasn't really one about single motherhood and dating as a mom and like what I was going through in this new phase of my life. And I just thought me and Mila's conversations were really interesting and that maybe someone would resonate. I never in a million years would have imagined, you know, the community that we've been able to cultivate now. But I think moms have a real desire to feel seen, to feel unashamed, to, you know, be okay in their quote unquote bad choices. And I think what's so magical about this book is that you delve into these kind of bad choices that follow you through these different phases of life. And the idea you just put quotes up when you said bad choices. And I think it's The book is kind of revolutionary in some ideas around what motherhood looks like, that this idea and I think podcasting, blogging and these conversations that are going on around motherhood are opening up a world of like what motherhood looks like that is coming from this ideal of there is one way to do this. There is a perfect way to do this. There is a good way to do this. And that in terms of how you both came to motherhood and maybe Jamila, you can start us off with this. Like what was your journey to motherhood? Did you see yourself? I know Erica, you said you never really saw yourself being a mom and I came from exactly the same place. I was like, this is not for me, but what did it feel like that journey to motherhood for you, Jamila? Honestly, I always wanted kids. I thought I was going to have like three to five children. I was going to be a housewife and like, (laughs) I was just going to flourish and, you know, like make dinner. That was my, I don't know why, but that was my plan. But then when I told all my friends and my parents, they're like, really? I I never saw you with kids. And I was Mm -hmm. like, really? I thought I was so nurturing. (laughs) (laughs) So basically it was like not very thought out. And I think when you're that young, I think I was 26 when I gave birth, Mm. you really don't have any scope of what motherhood is really going to look like. And so everything I was anticipating was that, yeah, I was going to have a cute little belly and I was with my high school sweetheart and we're going to get married and like buy a house by the time I was 30, like wrong. (laughs) You know, I think, let me talk about this in the book too, is like women are kind of fed this idea, like you said, about what motherhood looks like, but also what life looks like, you know, like you're born and then like you turn two and you get a stroller and you get a little kitchenette and you're supposed to have a baby. And like, you kind of like just follow these steps. You get married, you have a baby and then you're supposed to be happy. And then, you know, you're 26 or 27, like we were, and you wake up and you're like, 
I'm not happy. And this is like, this is actually not what I signed up for. And um, a lot of the responsibility is on you and you're caring for a little human three, six, five. And it's this huge transition that the world doesn't really prepare you for. And so like, there was really no preparation except for the 400,000 Disney movies I saw that said like, this is what a happy family looks like. And this is the steps you take to get it. And yeah, I think obviously I broke up with my child's father. That was like a big wrench in the plan. And I was like, I didn't plan on this. And it kind of disrupted the, my self-image too, you know, like who am I now that I've this has failed because a lot of that part kind of falls on the mother for some reason, you know, like, am I going to be, you know, worthy of love after this? Am I still going to be someone's wife? Does this mean now I have baggage? And so there's this, you know, just this epic moment, I think for all moms where you kind of like, hopefully you take a moment and you're like, what does make me happy and what does that look like? That's, I think, what the book gets so right is this idea of like the bad choices and the good moms. It kind of keeps turning that question around that like maybe the white picket fence is the bad choice and maybe the freedom and independence is the good mom and figuring out the difference between the imagery of motherhood and what reality works in our own homes and our own lives is really different than what we think of as good moms, bad choices. Is that something that when you were, you know, titling the podcast, thinking about the book, is that something you were aware of? Well, one of the things that, you know, when Erica proposed this idea to me, we weren't very close friends. We were like, we didn't know each other. We just wanted to do something and hang out. And one of the things she was listening to murder mystery podcasts and she started to look as we do. Yes, we love. And she started to look for podcasts about motherhood. And then she started to look about podcasts about single motherhood. And there were really none. And even, you know, on the social media circuit, you know, I, there was super beautifully curated moms all wearing white and tan and with the perfect filter and they were married right, and with their little bestie in a matching outfit. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, when you're in early motherhood, you just broke up with the person you thought you're going to be with forever. And you're looking on the internet and you're looking for podcasts to see women or moms going through similar experiences and there are none, it's a little bit petrifying. You're like, wow, I really have failed because everybody else's motherhood looks like perfection. So I think when we first came on this concept, one of the things Erica had shared a really personal story with me and she felt safe to do that because she figured this is my one mom friend. Maybe she won't judge me. And it was like a naughty dating story. And I asked her, so are you going to tell this story on the podcast? And she said, I guess, you know, I won't get fired. So I said, I'm in. If we're going to tell the whole truth, let's do it, you know? And, you know, we're from LA, so cannabis is a part of our culture. So it wasn't like, um, we weren't ashamed as some of our counterparts who are probably in other like places where it's way more shamed as women, as mothers. And so that was something we both knew we wanted to like openly embrace. And we kind of like played off of that. Like, what is, a good mother and what are bad choices? Because for us, after those breakups, going online and dating, going on dates, getting our feet wet and like rediscovering ourselves was a good choice for us. And even though many people were judging us and saying, you need to be home with your baby, you know, your baby's X amount of years old. We kind of pushed back on that. One of the keys of what you're talking about and so much of what the book is about is this idea of honesty within friendships. I want to take a break and we're going to talk about that when we come back. I am talking to Jamila and Erica, the hosts of Good Moms, Bad Choices, and we'll be right back. 
Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses. First two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different Different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L U M E N dot M E. Lumen.me and use the code Fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. So, talking about the idea of honesty, this book is extremely honest. I think it is really hard for moms to show each other our true selves. And that's what I found so moving about this book. So, Erica, how do you, was that something you had to work on? Did it come naturally to you? This idea of like, I can be my authentic self and face whatever judgment comes in? It's been difficult. It continues to be difficult for me, even today. Sometimes I have anxiety around things I've said and things on the internet that one day my daughter could potentially look up. But then I say, you know what I said? I said what I said in that moment and I meant it. You use this phrase that I love in the book, a rebel with anxiety, because it's so true that I think sometimes on the flip side of like, well, we have this perfect facade. The other side is like, I don't care at all. I'm throwing off all the conventions and look at me. I'm a free mom. But then underneath, we're actually feeling a tremendous amount of doubt and fear about that. And that both of those versions of motherhood can be a little bit off. And so I loved that phrase, a rebel with anxiety, because it seems to capture both sides of that equation. Oh, yeah, that's me for sure. Still now. (laughs) I've always been really outspoken. And I've always kind of just, if you told me no, I was going to do it anyway. But I was also going to be like, in my head, like, oh, my God, did I make the right choice? Is this okay? Oh, my God, like I'm holding on a brave front, you know, no one would ever know. If you ask some of my friends, like you always like, 
you always seem so confident. I'm like, you have right. no idea the inner workings of my mind. <laughs> but I like that because I have this. People say that to me, too. Like, oh, you have it all together. And I'm like, you should see me at 3 a.m. Yeah, because I do not have it all together. But I think giving voice to that is so important. I think that, you know, my relationship with Jamila, my friendship with Jamila was really helped me feel more confident in standing in my truth and like being able to reintroduce this new version of myself because I was someone that was subscribing to this perfect notion of what motherhood was looking like, or I was about to subscribe. I felt like it was not natural to me, but I felt like that was what I was supposed to do. And when I met Jamila, Jamila's who she is. She is who she is. If you meet, if you meet her in person ever, which it's a blessing if you do, <laughs> you'll know, you'll be like, okay, got it. And so Having being able to watch how she navigates in her life as just very unapologetic really made me be able to really stand in my unapologeticness as well. Because I am on unapologetic, but again, that anxiety it was like, how do I actually stand in my choices? And I'm like, okay, with ease. I think also with the podcast, it was helpful that I didn't think anyone was listening, to be honest, because we didn't really start the podcast for listens. I mean, of course you want people to listen, I guess, but like to be honest, I really try to go back to that moment and there wasn't a lot of thought put into it, you know? And Amy and I are exactly the same. People are like, why did you start a podcast? It's like, well, it seemed like something to do. Like, and yeah. Well, it wasn't cool then. Like, it wasn't like now it's so cool to have a podcast. Like, it was nerdy. Like, and, you know, I didn't have these big dreams of, you know, creating a, writing a book. And I mean, I had dreams of these things, but never thought they'd be facilitated through this platform. But I think because no one was listening, I was brave. It's like talking to an empty room. And then eventually, you know, we started having people reach out to us that I didn't know. And I was like, do you know this person? And they were like, I was just like, I don't know that person. <laughs> You're like, well, she just said we changed her life. And I'm like, that's what? not even your cousin's friend. That's a stranger <laughs> listening to your podcast. It's a very yeah. surreal feeling. And just by sharing something honest made her feel less alone or empowered or, you know. And so I think that my tribe, we call our, our audience, our listeners, our tribe really has solidified or at least help solidify me feeling a lot more brave about sharing the things. I would say though, writing the book was a little bit scarier almost because I feel like in podcasting, you can say a lot of things and then they just kind of like get lost in the ether somewhere. Right. It floats off. Right. A book is forever. Right. It's in print. You can pull out, look on this page 122. You said this. You said it. It was printed. I'm looking. I'm pointing it in your face. Yes. It was edited. You approved it. And now it's here. So that was a little bit more scary. But actually, because it was more scary, it actually, I feel like even more deeply gave me confidence. Now that it's out, I feel a lot more confident in a lot of ways and things that I've said. And it was really cathartic. It was like a release, honestly, because writing the book, we really had to go back in time, revisit things, say, did I heal from this? I thought I did, but why am I crying? (laughs) Why am I crying writing this? Why am I avoiding writing this? You know, so it really has helped me kind of have to almost like give myself therapy back into the spaces and places that I thought I had already dealt with and giving me the confidence to kind of really say, okay, I'm really done with this. I'm really closing this chapter for real. So yeah, I would say our friendship really gave me the confidence, our community, and then just doing the work, you know? 
I'm picking up on that thread of, I mean, one of the things we talk so much about on the podcast is parenting differently, maybe than the way that we were parented. And Jamila, how in the process of writing this book, like this idea of examining our own lives to figure out who we want to be as parents, that parenting can feel kind of passive. Like, okay, we're along for the ride. Here's the human. I guess we just feed and keep going. And what is the role of that process? Both of you really talk in a memoir style about your journey and your childhoods and teenage dumbs or whatever the word is before having kids. Like, what is the role of that process and figure out who you want to be as a mom? Well, I think, you know, just like from your last question, I think as women, our biggest masterpieces are kids, right? That's like our biggest art that we work on throughout our lives. It's We're sensitive about it. And I think that's why the judgment works so well on women is because if anyone says anything to you about your parenting, immediately, just innately, you're almost going to question yourself. Am I wrong? Like, is this, you know, if you on the internet and you're saying, I advocate for this and someone is someone who you don't even know is like, you're a terrible mother because you're doing this, you're going to think about it, you know, and it's taken a lot of practice for us to kind of, you know, realize that everyone's going to have their own, their own opinions. And I think, um, you know, I'm grateful for the podcast because through just practicing being honest and showing up as myself, um, it's scary, but I do it every week. So it, there's practice in it. And I also, I just came to this conclusion that I saw my parents, you know, my parents, uh, started dating when they were in high school and I, I saw how it stunted my mom's growth. I saw how she was codependent on my father. I saw how she didn't really get a chance to develop who she was. And I think growing up, I kind of understood that, but you can only understand so much until you actually have a kid. And in ways, I resented it. And I was like, I'm not going to do it that way because I see how much she suffered. You know, I see how long it's taken her for her to get back to who she was. You know, I think I always say like they met when she was 14 and in some ways she's been 14 for like 20 years. And it kind of gave me permission to do things differently and to think outside the box and really, I think, heal the part mother myself in ways so that I could show up as my full self and be the best mother for my child. And that requires questioning, hey, did this work? Did this not work? Why was I doing those things? What are some of the things that I could have done differently? And, you know, my parents have always been like super committed to their freedom. And they've, you know, we were the kids that went everywhere with the parents, you know, they were college students when they had me. And so I think I adopted that in ways. So when Erica saw me at the pool, eight months, you know, eight weeks postpartum with the champagne and the baby, I was like, yeah, of course I am. So I think it was just like really taking the time to sit and reflect and taking out what doesn't work for you and taking what does work for you and seeing how it affected you. And I think sometimes as women and as parents, we're kind of afraid to challenge what our parents did. It feels so terrible to be like, hey, this didn't work. And it for them, it feels disrespectful. Well, I didn't do that when I was a kid. When you were a kid, I, you didn't grow up like that. You didn't question anything. So when you're an adult and you're questioning things and you're doing things differently, your parents and other people are going to have an opinion because they didn't question it. And so if you're questioning it, why are you questioning? I didn't question it. And so it's like, because I'm allowed to, and, you know, giving myself permission to shift, you know, has been a huge like benefit in my parenting. I think a lot of moms, the idea of, you know, changing it, it starts with looking at it. And that is a part that can be really scary for 
all of us to say, I'm going to be really honest about what my life was like as a child. I'm going to be really honest about my parents and what their flaws may have been. But if we skip that phase, we can't do the second part of I want to do something differently. And you have this quote in the book. Who would I be if given this platform, I used it to reduce my feelings in order to appease people who conceal their own truths? I'm like going to write that on my board right here because I do think that for me, the takeaway of the book was the honesty was you both are focused on growth and changing as people, but where it comes from is the honesty. I think we all want that growth, but we, we struggle with the step to really look and say like, these are the flaws I see in the people around me. And these are the flaws I see in myself and the bravery with which you both do that in this book just knocks me out. I think it's something that I think a lot of women just do not feel comfortable. They want to be like, my life was perfect. Everything was fine. I didn't do anything wrong. I'm a good person. I'm a good mom. And that allowing ourselves to unpack the idea of goodness is just super challenging. And I think the way you both approach it in the book is just so cool and brave. Thank you. It is scary. So I appreciate you appreciating that. (laughs) It's so scary. And you do it really, really well. I want to be you both when I grow up, even though I'm 10 years older than both of you. I am talking to Jamila and Erica, and they are the hosts of the podcast, Good Moms, Bad Choices. And we will be right back. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is... Toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. We agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. (laughs) But all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to Hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Amy, when I'm dehydrated, I get headaches. I get cranky and I don't feel good in general. Also, I am dehydrated a lot of the time. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because being good with the water bottle is one thing, but getting that sodium and potassium with the fluids, turns out that is the key to saying optimally hydrated. So whether you're looking to hydrate during your workout, while traveling, or at the end of a long night, Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes have got you covered with over 65 trace minerals, seven essential vitamins, and coconut water powder. Crisp and refreshing without any sugar, this is hydration powered by Sports Research. Each box has 16 little stick packs that you can take on the go, whether you're headed to an exercise class, a night out with friends, or a podcasting conference. 
And did we mention they come in delicious flavors from raspberry lemonade to cherry pomegranate. Stay hydrated with Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes. Visit sportsresearch.com and use the code WHATFRESH at checkout for 50% off your purchase of Hydrate. That's S-P-O-R-T-S-R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H.com, sportsresearch.com, and use code WHATFRESH for 50% off your Hydrate Electrolytes order. Another thing that struck me, I have an 11-year-old daughter right now, and in terms of your stories about being young women, it struck me that bad choices, the kind of bad choices that maybe you were making as young women versus the quote-unquote bad choices you're making as adult moms had a lot to do with control, like who was really in control of the choices, that sometimes the bad choices we make as young women are because we want acceptance from partners. We want acceptance. We want our bodies to look a certain way that the bad choices that we make when we're out of control are actually bad choices. How do you think about wanting to foster the kind of choices that they make and what they define as quote unquote bad choices? Well, I think about I want my daughter to have autonomy over her choices. I really want her to feel empowered to not just do what I do, you know? And I think that's also challenging for me too, as a parent, because I say this a lot. It's like almost you have to go against your programming. Like you have to go against whatever, like Mila was saying that your, you know, your parents, you know, you have a child and you, and you want to change the way maybe you were parented in ways, but then you somehow go into default mode because it's what's comfortable. It's what's easy. Maybe it's what society is is doing around you, and it feels like okay. Well, this is must this must be the right thing. Everyone else is doing this thing, right? But you know, with my daughter, I just we have a lot of honest conversations, and probably conversations that a lot of parents avoid. Whether that's about body, whether that's about my relationship with her father, and granted, these conversations have been really difficult for me as well because I don't have a prototype to go off of. I literally was having this moment like a year ago where I was like, I don't have the tools. I don't have the tools to have to change the narrative. <laughs> I've never done this before. I've only just seen it repeated. And it feels better to just not talk about it. Maybe if I just don't talk about it, it'll just figure itself out. And it's like, I know that didn't work for me. <laughs> but I'm like, maybe she's different. <laughs> and I have to literally say, no, you have to have the conversation more than once. And I think that's also where parents, we have these missed opportunities because we think that if we have this really uncomfortable conversation that we're dreading one time, it's one and done and did it, you said it and it's at it. Right. Because we want it to be one and done. We're like, thank you. I'm done. I never have to talk about this again. Okay. We did it. It's stuck, right? Like, you know, and that's just not the Mm -hmm. truth. In order to cultivate, I guess, comfortability with your child, like you kind of have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. And also they're going to be, they might be uncomfortable. My daughter doesn't want to have these conversations usually, you know, and you know, and I know that, but I guess because I'm only a seven year old parent or an eight year old parent at this point, you know, I'm hoping that these tactics work, but I also say we mean we have never claimed to be perfect people, perfect leaders. We are also just mothers doing the best we can. And, um, sharing, sharing our choices with the world. And, you know, I hope that me being really honest with my daughter about where I'm at, my feelings. Hey, I broke up with my boyfriend. I'm sad. (laughs) 
you know, like, hey, you know, I yelled at you yesterday and that was really mean. I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. You know, like these are things that I say to her and she's eight. And I want her to know that like people leave. Not everyone stays. I want her to know that adults should apologize. I want her to know that, you know, your body is yours. And if you want to explore that, then you do that first. You know, like these are conversations that we avoid with our children and we let other children teach them. And I don't want that. (laughs) Who was it who said that in the book that like your teenage friends gave you your entire sex ed because you weren't getting it from other places? Yeah. And I think that's right that we have this instinct that like we don't want to talk about it. We won't talk about it. And we'll say like this side of the fence is good stuff and this side of the fence is bad stuff. So that's the choices. And that's not at all what life is like for us or our kids. No. And I think that our children are like, they are watching us. So I try to just live as, as boldly as I can, because I want her to be a bold young woman one day in her own right, whatever that looks like for her. You know, I want her to be well-spoken. I want her to be well-traveled. I want her to, you know, experience joy in all ways and see all the different ways you can experience it. There's not just this one way. And yeah, like I did get my sex ed from a 13-year-old. And that was terrible because she was experiencing her own set of traumas that I didn't know about, you know, and like putting them on to me in ways and like me saying, oh, this is what I have to do in order to get love. This is what I have to do in order to get attention, validation. And because no one was having those conversations in my household, like just fingers crossed that Erica wasn't going to like figure it out too soon. I'm like, you have like this is a recipe for disaster, a little girl with daddy issues. And I think a natural appetite for sexual behavior. I don't know. Like I was thinking about sexual things early on, nothing to do with anything. Like there was no trauma. It was just, I'm human. (laughs) But that's the thing too, you know, honesty, you know, about women in general shying away from being honest. And, you know, like you said, Margaret, like it starts with being honest with yourself. And like, that's the difference between like a raged, enraged hormonal teenager or, you know, like, reacting in trauma versus if I'm being honest with myself, then I could be honest with my kid. We can have honest conversations. And like when you practice honesty and you show up honest to your kid, she's going to show up honest too and be intentional. And that's the difference. As we started to talk about our bad choices, we had to really begin to be, we were honest about it. So we started to reflect, damn, am I going out every weekend because I just want to have fun? Or am I going out because I'm searching for something? Am I still searching for love? Am I still wounded from, you know, the love I didn't get from my dad when I was six, you know, like it's only through us speaking honestly all the time to each other that we became to like be accountable and then be like, damn, I don't want to do this forever. I don't want to be this version of myself forever and like practice and practice and practice and support each other. And like, damn, I, you know, Erica, I messed up again and I feel really disappointed in myself. And she loves me still because this is my friend that I can show up as my full self. And I think that's the missing piece is like, as moms, we're, we're not given permission to be honest. And so we give our kids this example that just be safe, you know, and, and that doesn't save them. They're going to explore anyway, because that's, you know, like that's human nature. You explore. And I always said this growing up is like, 
I hated when my parents insulted my intelligence because kids are so smart and they feel everything. So I think it's all about honesty and, and intentionality and like, why are you doing those things? And you can only get to the why if you're honest about why you're doing it and who you are and, and the things that you know make you do the things. So tell everybody where they can hear your podcast, where they can find this fantastic book. By the way, good book for moms, non-moms, good book for everyone. Thank you so much. Well, you can find us, Good Moms, Bad Choices, on all podcast platforms, wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram at goodmoms underscore bad choices. You can get the book on anywhere, really, and well, not anywhere, but Amazon, you know, Barnes and Noble. We always ask this question. I'm like, I think people know how to get a book in 2023, <laughs> but some Sometimes, if you want you know. it quick, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, all the, you know, there's smaller bookstores. If you go on our website, goodmomsbadchoices.com backslash book, then you will see there's different retailer options there. But if you, if you just type in a good mom's guide for making bad choices, I'm sure it'll pop up for you. You will be able to find it. There is the internet and it is 2023. And we will also link to it in our show notes and we will link to the podcast as well. Erica, Jamila, thank you so much for joining us today. I really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you, Margaret. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt-free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows.